Good afternoon and welcome to the APW podcast for the 20th of June, a very important day in the calendar. Why is that, Callum? I've got no idea. I know it's our fourth podcast, but over and above that, I don't Obviously, know. it is a very important day if it's the fourth podcast, but obviously it's Father's Day in Europe, but, oh, right. <laughs> but we'll put that aside for now. Yeah, okay. It's the summer solstice. Ah, rightio. So that would be the longest day in the UK. That's correct. It's, um, I think it's about 18 and a half hours of sunshine as a minimum, and it may well go, may well go up to a lot more. Um, I remember once being in sailing around Loch Lomond. And, uh, this picture- m- must have been pretty much light for the whole time, was it, in Loch Lomond? There was. A, uh, we have a picture of my father uh, reading a copy of the Daily Mirror at midnight because he was a oh, uh, class F-wing type. Yeah, nice. I've got to say that is one of the good things about the UK, especially at summertime, is the long, long, long evenings. You know, over here it's uh, light and dark at the same time, you know, but there it's, uh, it's amazing. And whether you choose to spend that time in the pub or viewing properties or whatever it may be, whatever take or sailing around Loch Lomond, you know, it's a, it's a great time of the year in the UK, I think. Yes. And I think, you know, the whole thing about COVID, now we've got this Delta strain going on. You know, if you've got a garden or you've got a spare room or a bit of a balcony you can chill out in, then um, that's a very reassuring thing to have. And it's still driving the property market because people, as we said last week, and we said in the um, um, APW thingy that comes out on a Friday that people are still looking for properties and it's still driving the market. So these long evenings are wonderful for that. Um, obviously, with the third wave and stuff like that, people are staying in the UK because they don't want to risk going away. So that is increasing the market if you're in the UK to turn sort of spare spaces into holiday lets and Airbnbs, that sort of thing. So... Uh, what's your opinion on that sort of uh, sector of the market? Well, the staycation has become a big thing. Um, it's really a case of, it's not so, not such of a worry if you can get away and fly somewhere, but if they change the rules while you're away and suddenly you can't get back, then that would be a nightmare. I mean, being stuck in a hotel with four kids, having to bear the expense as well as put mm. up with the um, little ankle biters for an longer than you actually need to, would be a nightmare. So I think there are a lot of people doing it in the UK. Um, not really that sort of relevant to us as our market is more of a, a buy-to-let and building money for the future. And, you know, it's a big thing, and a lot of people get lulled into a false sense of security, according to which magazine, in that they think they're going to have heaps to retire on, and in reality they don't, because the average pot, would you like to hazard, hazard a guess, of what the average pot you need to retire in a comfortable format that you become used to is in the UK? Um, uh, I suppose it, it varies wildly depending on the quality of life you come to expect and that you want and how long you depend or predict to live for. But um, I don't know. I've got no idea. Well, according to which magazine, it's £305,000 mm. or £19,000 per annum. And bearing in mind the average savings of the average person in the UK is £15,000. That's why so many depend on the national insurance, the state pension to live on. And the state pension will give you £800 a month. But, uh, you know, that's still only half of what you really need, according to to which. 
or for a couple you need twenty six thousand pounds. Yeah, so and so what so what is that? That's say twenty thousand quid and people have three hundred thousand quid. If my math is right, that gives you five, ten, fifteen years. Is that is that right? Well, with including um you know, growth, it'll carry on growing. Okay, yeah. Hopefully. So it'll go it'll go to extinction and we talk about thirty years is an average pension pot length, I believe. Mm-hmm. But then again, it all depends where you live, because in London, as we know, it's ten pound a pint. Shameful. Should be ashamed of ourselves. Shocker. Shocking. Uh, you need twenty five thousand um, pounds to live on. In fact, twenty five thousand four hundred and seventy one, and a pension pot of four hundred and fifty eight thousand pounds. Yeah. Whereas the cheapest location in the UK, which is, I'd hazard a guess, <laughs> somewhere in the very north of England or the valleys of Wales. Um, surprisingly enough, not. It's Nottingham. Ooh. Which is basically you need flavour of the month at the moment, Nottingham. It is. You need sixteen thousand seven hundred and eighty six pounds to retire on, or a pot of two hundred and fifty one. Okay. So below the average. And that's interesting because someone said to me last week, Why is Nottingham property so cheap? And it's not a case of it being cheap, it's a case of people in Nottingham don't earn a lot, so therefore they can't afford to spend a lot. So hence it's a good place to buy. At the moment, but also other locations, you know, you've got Leicester, I think, and Northampton are very close to that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's all about where you retire too. But uh, yeah, and Edinburgh, sorry, Edinburgh, where else? Brighton, Milton Keynes, or a, a Croft, a, a Bivy, or a Croft in Scotland somewhere. Well, Edinburgh is after London, the second most expensive place to retire to. Yeah. But but my sister, as you know, retired to o- Oban. <laughs> And bought two bothies. Yeah. But the bank wouldn't lend on the new roofs because the roofs were made out of grass. So it all went a bit pear-shaped or and, rather went a bit... And there really, guys, that sums up everything we try and talk about here at APW is do your research, set some goals and don't go into it blind because if you set your goals, you know how you're going to want to retire, where you're going to want to retire, if you want to travel or not. And also by doing your research, you won't buy two, what are they called, bothies? Bothies. Bothies with grass roofs in the highlands. They won't get lending. So um, there you go. But on the retirement thing, I think, again, you know, we bang on about it all the time. That's the average. But you've got to consider people are living, I think, a lot longer, you know, and they're, they're healthier a lot later. So you do, you, you're more active. You're going away more, a lot longer later into your life. So you need to think about these things and then actually work back and plan and say, well, how much would I like to retire on or what would be a good standard of living for me? And then work back and plan how you're actually going to get there. So um, again, as with anything we talk about, setting goals is an important thing, I think. Yeah, I think uh, also it's a case of what you want to take up in retirement. It's a case of, you know, what you want to give up. It'd be horrible to work your whole life and then have to give things up because you hadn't saved enough or you hadn't bought enough houses to give you a good enough buy-to-let income. You know, you're going to have seven days off as opposed to two days off, you know, you don't want to spend more. So if anything, yeah. get your lifestyle right and get your earnings right and your savings so you can you know, do the right thing and not be left having to depend on your your kids or other down, yeah. downtrodden creatures like that. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's one of the good things, again, you know, about property. Obviously, this is a property podcast, guys, so we're going to talk about it a lot. So if you don't like the subject matter, then perhaps find another podcast to listen to. But... Um, Property versus other assets, you know. So, gold, for example, people people like the idea of gold because it's a 
a safe haven asset, but it's not going to be paying you an income for life. It's going to be holding and maintaining the value of your investment, but it's not actually going to be giving you an income, you know, whereas something like property that is going to consistently give you an in- even if the capital appreciation is not there, it's still going to give you an income if you've got a tenant in there, you know, so, um, and it's income for life as long as you own it, you know, so once you've got one, if it's paid off, it's however much the income is, you're going to have that for your whole life, for your whole, your whole period of retirement. So again, that's another reason why we think it's such a great uh, asset class. And it, it, it's right. It's a case of having some diversity, though. You know, if, if you cast your mind back, probably before you were born, but in the Babylonian Talmud, which is 2000 BC. <laughs> yeah, okay. You got that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the Babylonian yeah. Talmud from 2000 BC, they recommended that you divided your, your assets into three parts, which was property, goats or sheep, mm-hmm. and then some gold. And the idea being is that gold is a safe haven, Property, you could live in it and it would go up in value. Sheep, you could kill, eat and sell. So it was a perfectly diversified portfolio. Okay, and where, forgive my um, poor knowledge, geographical knowledge here, but where is Babylon? It's somewhere in the Middle East, is it? It's Persia. It's Iraq. Okay, yeah. The Babylonian Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the original wonders of the world. Yeah, so I was just talking about goats. I mean, it's... Um, I think they did make a good goat curry over there, over that part of the world. So, um, yeah, nice. I can imagine it would do. But anyway, so with the, with part of the celebrations of the solstice, then tonight we could go to a variety of things. If it wasn't for COVID, we could go to the Stonehenge summer celebration. Yeah, it's isn't that, isn't that some sort of like pagan affair? Yeah, the guys and the Dru- druids. Yes. Yes, it is. It's um, where all the, the stones actually line up with the sun. So whoever did it originally, this is as far as I understand, because I've never actually been, the stones line up. So when the sun rises, you see a perfect uh, channeling of the sun's rays. And, and apparently this moment in time today is when nature it is most potent. So if you collect seeds and berries and all this sort of stuff and you yeah, make, yeah. make them into something that you want to use to make yourself feel better or make you more... Uh, like, a po- like a potion. Like a, to make you more fecund, so to speak. Yeah. Then today's the day to do it. So yeah. be careful if you get home tonight and your mm. missus has made you a stew with some strange stuff. Yeah, because I've been collecting berries and stuff for a while, but I didn't didn't know that, so... Well, today's um, the day. Today's the day. Or alternatively, you could go to Hobart, and in, apparently in Hobart in Tasmania, we've got a nude swim later on today. Okay. All right, um, all right just going back to the, uh, the Babylon thing. Um... And just talking about you saying diversify, they've got three different streams there. Uh, there's a a good book that we used to, um, you would know, obviously, a good book we used to pass out to people and recommend reading called, uh, is it Multiple Streams or Seven Streams of Income? Uh, uh, multiple Streams of Income, Robert G. Allen. Yeah, that was it. And I think he says you, you want to have seven streams of income, you know, you want to you want to build up to it and aim to have that. So whilst you're working, one can be a salary, one could be a property, one could be you know, stocks and shares, for example, one could be your goats, one could be your gold and so on. So you want to have seven different streams so that if one is ever dry for a period of time, whatever, you know, whatever reason that may be for your salary or whatever, you've still got loads of other streams of income that you can rely on. So it's not just one house, it's not just one goat, it's not just one gold bullion, you know, it's having a diversified pool. And obviously that takes time to build up to and you can't expect to have it straight away. But I think that's 
the idea, isn't it? It's to be diversified. Yeah, I mean, basically, his his imagery was to imagine your money to be a a lock or a tarn, a tarn, I guess it would be, on the side of a mountain. And if you have one stream feeding from that into your pocket or into your your money, and it gets blocked up, then you're stuffed. However, if you have seven different streams coming from that tarn, then you'd have to have a couple of them blocked up before you start into any problems at all. So diversify as much as possible. Multiple streams of income. Robert G. Allen, great book. That is a very good book. Okay, so what are some things that the Queen of England owns? What does the Queen of England own? Yeah, some things in in the realm of the United Kingdom that are the property of the Queen uh, by default. Well, I think every time someone visits her, and Joe Biden came to see her this week, what did he bring? He brought something really weird. No, he, he uh, what's the term, a, a faux pas? He, he did one of those things you're not supposed to do around the Queen, which is kept his sunnies on um, whilst he was introduced to her and whilst he met her. And then after about 15 minutes, he realised he'd made a bit of a mistake and took his sunnies off. Um, or he just doesn't care. I mean, he's pretty... He's so, so old, isn't he? He's actually <laughs> as old as the Queen, isn't he? Isn't he 88 or something? 78? Yeah, no, he's, he's old. He is old. What, what does she own? She owns heaps of property, I know that. She owns loads of land. Yeah, loads of land, coastline, all that sort of stuff. But um, h- half of the unclaimed mute swans on the waterways of England and Wales belong to her. And I say half because the other half belongs to like the Swan Trust or whatever it is. I forget the technical name for it. There is, there is a technical name. So she owns swans, mute swans. And um, (laughs) according to a law from 1323, which originated during the reign of King Edward II, uh, this law stated that the king shall have a a wreck of the sea throughout the realm, whales and sturgeons taken in the sea or elsewhere within the realm, blah, 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 within three miles of the UK shall belong to him. So that law still stands. So any sturgeons, dolphins, whales, that sort of thing, do technically still belong to the queen if they're found within three miles of the shores of the UK. Oh, I shall, I shall bear that in mind if everyone's swimming <laughs> that I don't get taken by the royal family. <laughs> That's it. Look, there's another whale. I don't there. think there's no seals. Seals are okay, seals. Um, but uh, but there you go. So, but no, she does own a lot of Regent Street. She owns a lot of the coastline, a lot of uh, royal places of residence as well. So, um, although I don't think she owns them, I think they belong to the the monarch, and I don't think she actually owns them. The monarch does. Well, the royal estate of some nature. Yeah. But she has been given some pretty weird stuff over the years. I mean, I think when the Commonwealth ministers used to come, when, when it was a big Commonwealth, and they'd come over from Africa with all sorts of stuff, it was amazing. Anyway, back to the point. The point being, though, is that having a diversified approach is a good approach. And, you know, even the holy books like the Talmud that discusses it and suggests that, and in that case, the goats were the top of the triangle, the high risk. Yep. Pinning down one corner um, on the left was property. The other corner on the right was gold. They were lower risk, solid things. And the, the goats were like the equivalent of your equity stocks and shares now. And as I've, I've always said to all my, all my clients or anyone I speak to, yes, stocks and shares will outperform property in the longer term because they do. I mean, I think it's something like 700% on the FTSE over the last 10 years. Whereas property in London at its best has done 550%. The point is, though, how much effort do you have to put into stocks and shares? Quite a lot. How much effort do you have to put into property? Not very much. The costs of running property are a lot higher, hence it's going to be less performance. 
but it's just a case of balancing out your portfolio making sure you've got a, the best of of what you need a good mixture but as you get older stocks and shares if the stock market goes all wrong you haven't got a lot of time to make that money back so it's just a case of being a little bit more conservative as you get older and perhaps property is a good way of doing that yeah a bit more bit more defensive as opposed to speculating uh, uh, maybe not speculating you know if you're in the know but uh Still, yeah, it's it's more steady, and I think uh, can I congratulate you on a on a brilliant market wrap this week. Um, but I was listening to that, and you were talking about um, you know inflation and and the the pop the pop the pops of inflation coming in. So I thought I'd, I think you covered it maybe a week or so ago. But I was doing a bit more research myself into the the benefits of property and and inflation on that. So um, so yes, you've got a stable income with the property, which we know, but some other things that people may not be aware of as to sort of why it is a good buy. Um, if you've got inflation, obviously that's pushing up the price of the property. So that's that's one benefit. That's one bonus. It's also eating away, as as you like to say, you know, it's eating away at your debt. If you've got a 100K house, you take a 75K loan. That 75K is less in 20 years than it is now, you know, so it's eroding your debt. Um, so I think, yeah, your, your comments on inflation, it's not, you know, it's not going to be such a bad thing for property. And then as well, as we've just said there, my two other points, so it pays you an income, which other assets don't necessarily do. Uh, so overall it goes up in value, the value of your debt goes down and you get an income. So it's a, I think you'd call it a triple whammy. Yeah, no, it, it's true. It's, you know, it is a case of property does help achieve a lot of goals and it can benefit from some negativity, such as you know, inflation. And, you know, I was talking about it, and it coincidentally, uh, in the evening of, of Friday night, Frank put their um, intelligence talk up. Do you, do you think, or do you think they heard the rap and thought, all right, we'll rip that off? I think it's probably very, very high likelihood of it, although <laughs> they had a very, a very intelligent bloke uh, come in to talk who is... Um, yeah, I think they'd have to have booked him in advance. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like on Friday they talked about exactly the same inflation, the effect on the UK residential market, and I should reckon, recommend it to anyone. Go to the Intelligence Talks at uh, Night Frank. It comes out every Friday. You can download it on your pod podcast, and it's on Apple, I think, and all the rest of them. But yeah. it's a really intelligent, well done piece, about twenty five minutes long, very similar to our own, in fact. And I mean, it's a good time to plug. Uh, the podcasts whilst you're covering whilst you whilst you're you know giving props to someone else's podcast uh, in the same space of our, to ours as well and probably a lot more professional let's just you know big big hours up as they say um, where can you find them Spotify Apple Overcast which is a podcast I thought was quite a clever name Overcast um, do that go on our YouTube follow us there uh, hopefully soon we'll be putting the videos of these up but also you can get the market wraps and our buying a mini series videos up on our YouTube um anything else yes and and this wednesday we've got the uh, webinar with prosperity talking about what their view is on the uk residential property market talking about what the shortage is of building materials which is one of the areas i tried to cover at the on the market wrap you know the fact that prices are up by nearly 60 percent for timber alone and that 90 percent of our timber comes from overseas and with brexit a lot of those ports are blocked up with all the red tape that the mainly Frenchies mm. have brought in. 
Um, and so listen to the listen to the webinar on Wednesday if you can. It's five thirty, no, five o'clock Singapore time. Yep. And uh, Joe Billingham, hopefully David Yelley, will have a good chat about what their views are, what's happening with their developments, how they've been affected, if at all, by Brexit, and what the future holds. Yeah, that will be. Uh, we are looking forward to that. It's always a good one. We do that when every quarter and it's our biggest, most viewed uh, webinar, seminar type thing that we do. Obviously, if you can't tune in, the video will go live or not live. It will go up on our YouTube and as well, it'll be going out as a podcast just like this. If you prefer to consume your content uh, as a podcast. Yes, and I'd recommend downloading myself because you can always go back to them again and listen to the salient points, which obviously I'd like to finish on one before too long. Because I've got to get out to Alaska tonight to go to the Midnight Sun baseball game. Because- oh, wow, you, wow! Right, and I've got to, um, I've got a flight back to the UK to go and sit in a beer garden until ten in the evening. That's it, and that is the benefit of the summer solstice. What a great time of year to be in the UK! It is, and um, yeah, was was that how you, is that how you wanted to summarise just with the Midnight Baseball game? I think so. That's a good way to end. Okay, well. Um, Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you next Monday. Tune in on Wednesday. Uh, Thank you again from me, Callum Williamson. It's goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye for me. And I'd just like to say that the information I had on pensions today came from Salisbury House Wealth, who are IFA, and from which magazine I can supply with that information if you'd like it. Thanks very much. Cheerio. Cheers.